Section 12 of the History Teacher's Magazine. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The History Teacher's Magazine, Volume 1, Number 2, October 1909. Section 12 American History in the Secondary School. Arthur M. Wolfson, Ph.D., Editor. The Influence of Oliver Cromwell and William III on American History. In teaching the history of Europe, from the Treaty of Westphalia to the beginning of the French Revolution, no mistake is commoner than the one of regarding the almost continuous series of wars between the European states as a purposeless struggle for territorial aggrandizement. Equally in American history, the teacher is prone to allow his interest in the growth of social and political institutions to obscure the fact that the North American continent was for nearly a century merely a distant battleground on which Holland, England, and France were struggling for commercial supremacy. Unity is given to the history of England in the 18th century, says Seeley, in his Expansion of England on page 77, if you remark the single fact that Greater Britain during that period was establishing itself in opposition to Greater France. You will, I think, find it very helpful in studying the history of those two countries always to bear in mind that throughout most of that period the five states of Western Europe all alike are not properly European states, but world states, and that they debate continually among themselves a mighty question which is not European at all, and which the student with his eye fixed on Europe is too apt to disregard, namely the question of the possession of the New World. In the same way, the student of American history must be continually reminded that he is studying not the history of half a dozen or more isolated communities, but a phase of a great European struggle for world power. Struggle with the Dutch From 1689 to 1763 this struggle is marked by an almost continuous war between France and England. An earlier generation, however, witnessed a similar struggle between Holland and England. This earlier struggle is also vitally important in the history of North America. Few students of American history are aware of the unprecedented growth of the Dutch maritime power during the first half of the 17th century. To most of them, the founding of New Netherlands is an isolated fact, comparatively unimportant because the Dutch colony ultimately fell into the hands of the English. The fact, nevertheless, remains that throughout the greater part of the 17th century the carrying trade of the world was in the hands of the Dutch, and Amsterdam was the exchange of the world. What Venice had been in the 15th century, Amsterdam became in the 17th. To break this monopoly, 
was england's object and to raise his country to a position of leadership in the commercial world was one of the greatest ambitions of cromwell andrew's colonial self-government page eleven see also page fifteen in sixteen fifty one at the instance of cromwell parliament passed the first navigation act for the increase of the shipping and the encouragement of the navigation of this the english nation in the light of later events we in america are too apt to regard this act and its successors as designed to limit the trade of the colonies as a matter of fact a sufficient study of these acts especially those of sixteen fifty one and sixteen sixty will show that they were aimed directly at the dutch who were at the time the maritime carriers both for england and for the other nations of europe the navigation acts as a result of the first navigation act england entered almost at once on the series of three wars sixteen fifty two to sixteen fifty four sixteen sixty five to sixteen sixty seven sixteen seventy two to sixteen seventy four which lasted just long enough to break the commercial supremacy of holland every schoolboy knows that as a result of these wars england acquired the colony of new netherlands but few even of his elders realize that the navigation act which remained substantially in force for nearly two hundred years is the great legislative monument of the commonwealth it was the first manifestation of the newly awakened consciousness of the community the act which laid the foundation of the english commercial empire seeley's growth of british policy chapter two page twenty five throughout this period of rivalry between holland and england especially after sixteen sixty often against the will of the people the english government maintained a close alliance with the king of france the bitterest enemy of the dutch people in the last years of the reign of james the second however the tide of english feeling turned irresistibly against the french alliance though james still looked to his cousin louis the fourteenth for aid and comfort the people of england would have no more of him and for this reason as well as for purely domestic reasons james was in the end forced to flee from the country thenceforward there was a complete change in the english foreign policy the dutch and english against france when william of orange stadtholder of holland the most uncompromising enemy of louis the fourteenth accepted the crown of england there came not only a complete revolution in the english constitutional system but also and far more important for the history of the american colonies a complete revolution in england's foreign policy war between england and france in spite of the traditional rivalry handed down from the plantagenet times had been extremely rare englishmen and frenchmen had lived peacefully side by side for half a century or more in the northeastern part of north america 
while Englishmen and Dutchmen were struggling for the possession of territory between Long Island Sound and Delaware Bay. Henceforth, the English and the Dutch were to fight side by side in the effort to break the power of Louis the Magnificent, both in Europe and in America. Just as between 1651 and 1689, it was the first interest of the English that the maritime power of the Dutch should be broken. So now, it was a first interest of England that the encroachments of France should be arrested and that the Dutch should be saved from destruction. The rivalry between the English and Dutch must cease. The two sea powers must combine in opposition to France. Seely in his Growth of British Policy, Chapter 2, page 207. How efficiently William III set this policy in motion is attested by the history of Europe and America in the 18th century. Though he personally never realized the magnitude of the issue, though from first to last he was primarily interested in the preservation of Holland, though he had realized that his work was to result in the aggrandizement of England at the expense both of Holland and France, he would probably never have accepted the English throne. The far-reaching effects of this policy are to be seen not only in America, but in Asia and in Africa as well. The ascension of William III is thus the turning point in American colonial history. Almost at once he set in motion that series of wars which ended in America only when the last vestige of French colonial empire had disappeared from the continent. What he began, Marlborough and Pitt, and later generations, completed. Influence upon America If we keep these facts in mind, first, that the Navigation Act of 1651 inaugurated a trade policy that was to build up the English carrying trade at the expense of the Dutch, and second, that the ascension of William of Orange as William III of England marked the end of the rivalry between the English and the Dutch, and inaugurated the struggle between the English and the French, Oliver Cromwell and William of Orange become two of the most important figures in American history, and therefore deserve far more attention than is usually accorded them in teaching American history. For the further study of this phase of American history, the student is recommended to the works of Fisk and Parkman, and to the shorter treatises contained in the volumes of Hart's American Nation. Especially important, however, are the two works of Professor J. R. Seeley, which have several times been quoted in this paper, The Growth of British Policy and the Expansion of England. End of section 12